Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice Hate Productions. Hello everyone, welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 90, A Little Reprieve. I am your host, Ed Horn, and alongside me tonight, my producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. We're all alone. We're flying solo tonight. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost Sean for the evening. We're recording on a non-standard recording day. Um, <laughs> uh, a standard, non-standard recording. Yeah, our standard of non-standard recording days. And we don't really have a ton to talk about as far as the X-Men uh, world is concerned. We don't have oodles of stuff to talk about. So pretty much we're just going to be going over some flight deck and just shooting the shit for a little bit. So, Chris, I'm going to let you kick off. I have a handful of, I have a whole bunch of tiny little topics I want to <laughs> touch on. So I'll let you actually talk about some X-Wing there at the beginning for, for our X-Wing folks. So then we can kind of move on for all the other crap. Because Ed's 40K corner, I've got an interesting topic I want to talk about, but we'll get there. It's sort of pseudo-related to miniatures wargaming so it'll it'll work trust me yeah um i don't know what a like i've done a little bit of x-wing um but not a great deal i in honesty i feel like i've just worked a bunch and like yeah you're getting getting towards that holiday time of the year kind of thing where things start winding down it's weird i thought i I was sure I was caught up from everything from like being in the UK and then coming back and trying to get orders put in and then processed and you know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. trying to get everything caught up. And then I was, Oh, that's everything done. I just back to normal work now. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I actually have loads of work all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I put in, a bunch of extra and i was like oh no this is just what i have to put in all the time i remember now uh but like, <laughs> this, is, this is the normal grind that i'm used to yeah last night i got in from work um it was just after 2 a.m so I, I i read for a little bit because when i get when i get in right away i sometimes i can just fall right asleep but you know yeah, sometimes, I, i'm the same yeah. i'm the same way all right so i just re- i've been reading dune um I've never read it before. I've never. I've really. I probably have seen. Is it with Frank Herbert? Uh, no, yeah, that's, that's the author. Um, yeah, the old. You're, yeah, you're the David Lynch film, the eighty-four yeah. David Lynch film. I, I've I've probably have seen that, but I would have been as a child with my dad, so I don't really remember any. I don't know anything about the story other than you know it's a sci-fi classic. Spice is. Spice is good. Yeah, sandworms people have got green eye, uh, blue eyes some, I, some, I, something something deserty people um guy called considered, paul i don't know people it is got, considered to be one of the premier sci-fi franchises yeah uh, you you will find a lot so early games workshop may or may not have borrowed quite a few things yeah i've heard when, that before you know yeah, like, from, from not, Dune, just maybe a few uh, it's interesting you mentioned it because, of course, the the new film, the Denis Nouveau. I'm always going to screw up his name. The new film that recently just came out, June 2021. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Yeah, Denis Nouveau. I can't. I'm never going to use his name. I'm going to butcher it, so I'm gonna, just going to stop there and can stop embarrassing myself. In preparation to see that film, I reread the book just to make sure that I kind of because I kind of wanted to refresh my memory on what was going on on that. I don't know if we've even had an opportunity to even talk about the film necessarily on the show. Have you? I think you and Sean started, but I've not seen it yet, so I have purpose for you. Right, and it's not. not It's not that I'm trying to not watch it until after I finish the book. 
I just I've not I had like one time I was driving back home so I'll see if it if it's on at a cinema and I'd like missed it by 20 minutes so I definitely couldn't get in to see the start oh you'd have probably got in there yeah. 45 minutes worth of previews you'd have been fine yeah you know it was past the point where I was comfortable yeah I risking and then the next one started for like an hour, over an hour and I was like mm, nah I'm not I'll just go home it's fine Oh, and it's like it's um, almost three hours if you include the the previews and stuff. You're you're in for a jaunt on that one. Too. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of just waiting for a right time to watch it. I don't know. It was on um, HBO Max too for like the the first week or so. I think they've had it. On, it may still be up. I don't know. Uh, I want to watch it at the cinema. If you know, I yeah. I hundred percent agree because having seen it because I've seen it three times now. I I, I saw it in the theater the, the week that it opened. Uh, I don't see movies. I might, I'll tell you what. I'll go watch it tomorrow. How is okay. that? I, I'll commit to taking some time for me and go and watch it tomorrow. And I think I'm on record of saying like I the the David Lynch film the 84 David Lynch film was my first exposure. It's one of the rare occasions where there's a really popular series that I saw the TV show slash movie before I read the books kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Dune the 84 Dune film was absolutely that. I'd seen that movie dozens of times and loved it and then read the books and so like i i'm one of those rare people that say yeah i get it there are some things that the ending specifically in the 84 film um a little bit off on where they were going with paul's character but overall i love the film i love the soundtrack to that um it's so good and having read the books i do believe that this current version is probably the better version of the story there are some things i feel that were left out some things that i felt that were probably important that they never mentioned in the store in the movie which i don't understand why they went down that direction um and i also watched the sci-fi series too like so sci-fi did the miniseries for dune and then they wrapped up children of dune and heretic of dune into like one gigantic little mini mini series so they literally cover several hundred years of history over the course of that mini series and those are true to the books per se but the it's the classic thing of okay so sci-fi did a series and outside of battlestar galactica i can't think of a series that they had a very high production value yeah like don't get me wrong like even like there were big things for stargate too stargate stargate was a cool tv show but it didn't have a super high production value it was very much like you know well every planet looks like vermont (laughs) oh no is it so um like b Canadian forests in BC or something, isn't it? Like Vancouver or whatever. Uh, yeah, Br- British Columbia, Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. It's where the entire CW films everything anymore. Because I, what I told you, when we went out to Vancouver a couple of years ago, we saw signs all over the place because they were filming for The Flash out there the, the week that we were out there. So, yeah. of course, the kids were super helpful. Like, we went to a park that we know that they had filmed in before intentionally to see if they were filming anywhere. And we did see some vans, but of course everything roped off. They're not going to let you go in there. But so we actually saw an area where filming was happening, but we didn't get anywhere close to it. Yeah. But yeah, overall I'm, uh, I have to wait until the second film, which has been confirmed. They are going to do part two to complete the story of the first book. And then I feel I mean, like I'm so to me, I, I I don't again. I've not read the book. I'm not seen anything. I I can't really comment. But to me, that's a good thing. That yes, but it's not like the Hobbit were. <laughs> you know, we're going to make this one book a trilogy. If they wanted to just cash in, you just squeeze book one together, squeeze book two. You know what I mean? Yep. So it feels like they're approaching it in the best way they think that they will be able to tell the story, rather than a monetary concern so yeah well, no, I I, we'll, we'll, 
we're in a golden era of, as far as I'm concerned, storytelling. Because how many movies, if the producers at the time and the directors at the time, and the writers at the time were told, instead of trying to squeeze this down into a 90 minute film, you have 10 hours and you can put that over 10 episodes on a TV show. You're not restricted with what you can say or what you can show because we're going to put it on Netflix. And if you want to, if you want to swear all the way through it, you can like, it's a very different era of storytelling. So case in point, um, they remade the stand on Paramount plus. And if you ever have to get the opportunity to take a look at it, I, I enjoyed, I I'm a huge fan of the original one that was made for TV, even though I know it's Stephen King, they had to tone it down just like they did with the it um, miniseries. They had to tone it down because it is for, for TV, but I was a huge fan of that one. And I really did enjoy the retelling of it on Paramount plus because they didn't pull any punches. There was swearing, there was nudity. There was all the stuff that was in the original Stephen King novel was in the book. I don't know that I would, I, I don't know that I necessarily consider the definitive telling of the story. You should still read the unabridged version of the stand if you want the definitive telling of the story. But like now you can do that. You couldn't do that before unless you did something like a mini series like you ran over for a few days and it had to be on network TV and it had to get censored. Have you seen the uh, the pitch meeting for the Eternals? Yeah, about yeah. that. So the uh oh it's I mean, do you not think that kind of trying to squeeze ten characters or whatever into uh, a movie do you not do you not want to do a, a ten episode series? No, no, nine minutes fine. No, no. <laughs> well, and what kills me, like so I and I love that guy's work. I really do. The joke that he should have had in there is like, hey, don't you remember whenever everyone made fun of Justice Lee because they basically tried to squeeze in all these other characters that didn't that should have had their own movie but didn't, but we're just gonna throw them into this movie anyway and you're gonna try to make them care about them, but you're not really going to. So yeah, let's redo that. Because that was such a good idea when we did Justice League. Let's just re. Ugh. I, don't know, I, I, I was really... fine with the Eternals, if I'm honest. Like it, didn't, I enjoyed it. But yeah, that was my when the last time I got to go was a choice between the Eternals and Justice League, not um, Eternals in June, and Eternals was shorter. So yeah, I did not see the Eternals yet. I didn't have a. I I'm beginning to waver in my level of confidence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in its entirety. And I think for me personally, it's just superhero burnout, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, so the whole Infinity Saga going, starting with Iron Man and working its way up until, you know, the Infinity War, like that was a jaunt. There's a lot of material. There was a lot of buildup in there. And to me, I think in a, it's something that had never been done before to be able to connect that many movies over that amount of time to come up with this amazing ending to them to the films to then try to follow that up like i don't know how you do it like i don't know how you build that level of interest back up oh in the comic books it's super easy because characters never get old iron man like you know batman was written in 38 you know no, i know Man's i know what you're saying so, so like it's just as easy to okay now we're gonna take you know you know 12 year younger um robert downey jr we're gonna move on to more adventures with iron man like no you can't do it oh, do you know I what kind i kind mean? of like this is a massive tangent from where we were but i kind of like the consequences yeah no it's like that you have the argument that like for marvel films no one dies there's no concept no consequences to falling off a building ever no matter what your character is mm-hmm. you know yep. no one ever really dies all like um I mean, we can take the um, the the Rise of Skywalker pitch meeting as an example. So, mm. like, oh, so what I wanted to do for this movie is um, 
have emotional consequence, but not deal with the fallout of the emotional consequences. Yeah, so, we're gonna kill Chewbacca, uh, but not really. Yeah, yeah. So I, immediately upon every time anything of consequence happens, I'm just going to undo it. Yeah. Whereas in you, the fact that like, Robert Downey Jr. will just get too old to be Iron Man in the sense like, he won't get he won't be too old to be Tony Stark, but he would have been too old to be Iron Man. Yeah. So, so you, you have to have that progression. Whereas in with the comic books, a series like Iron Heart wouldn't necessarily do as well as Iron Man because there's no reason to need to move on from Iron Man. Right. No, and I agree but, with that hundred percent. I, I was a conspiracy theorist in between whenever Infinity War and the second part of Infinity the Infinity War films came out, is I honestly thought that that was when Disney was going to use their ability with the snap to be able to replace those actors with new actors, let everyone finish out their contracts and start over from new. What I honestly genuinely, it so much has changed um, from Disney's perspective on what they own. They now own Fox. They just got done announcing that, you know, X-Men 97 is going to be coming out, which is a direct continuation of. I the, saw. Yeah. The, the, the cartoon. 90- yeah, the 92 to 97 classic, amazing. If you, I can hear the music in my head right now. Yeah, exactly. They're going to pick that up right where it left off. Can't do any more because YouTube will just, you know, done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go, you can't go beyond that. Don't, don't demonetize that. Um, but so what's, what's interesting to me is like, I honestly feel like now that they have all the, they almost have all of the pieces. The only thing they're really genuinely missing is Spider Man in their universe, which I don't know. <laughs> they should just bully somebody. Uh, are they though? Well, okay. So I did not see the second Venom movie, but my understanding is that there is a post-credit scene that kind of alludes to a fact that they're they may be pulling those in. I know that there is some hubbub about it. Personally, myself, the only thing that other thing that Zony's got going for them is the PlayStation. Like beyond that, their tech's going just just sell it to Mar- sell it to Marvel for a gigantic price. Prop your company up for a few more years. I Take mean, some royalties off of it, whatever. But just give we it to we them. all agree that monopolies are bad. But sell everything to Disney. Okay, yeah. Well, well yeah. as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned, as far as the Marvel Universe is concerned, not even the cinematic universe. It's pulling all of those properties together because legitimately the Infinity Story should have had X Men. It. and it didn't because marvel didn't have the property at the time so yeah, i don't i mean did. i don't i'm quite happy for them to be their own i, I try not to that's the comic um, theorist in me yeah no i get it. i i had the same thing watching um but there be carnage that again that was my favorite that's what got me more into spider-man was my uncle working on the the game the separation anxiety um and Maximum Carnage, my uncle did the graphics on those games, which I did it, not that, know that. Yeah, that was the reason why they introduced Carnage was made for those games. It was like a, a comic book event kind of thing. You know what I mean? I did not um, realize you had a connection all, to that. That's cool. Um yeah, I I don't think you can see it, but like behind me I've got the cartridge. For the um, the Sega Genesis version of Let There Be Carnage, I don't yep. own a Sega Genesis anymore, but I I would have those were things I would keep. But like, that was what got me into comic books. I, I think I, I had Batman books like the every year on Boxing Day because I used to have real trouble sleeping as a child on for Christmas. I'd be so excited. Of course. Um, but my dad and my son would get me a big. Like the, the, the trade the, paperbacks. The, yeah, but like where it, it wasn't like like now all of the trade paperbacks I've got are 
a continuous story where it was just like hundreds of comics just collated. Oh god, yeah, no, yeah. I have those. I did that for well, Superman but, but, whenever. Yeah, I well, they're like stupidly thick. So I had like the Batman stuff. They're made Joker out like stuff. the newspaper material, like yeah, really paper. But you got to read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I did the same thing with like the first fifty years of Superman. There were like two volumes of it. They were like that freaking thick, like three inches thick. I absolutely, yeah. I think I still have those here. Yeah. Oh well, have we we lost that? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we've lost him. But I'll just sit here feeling silly. And and he's back. Yep. Sorry. I forgot that my parenting tip, I always have the kids' internet turn off whenever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 30 minutes before they're supposed to go to bed, and I forgot to take the. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's going to get anywhere. I'm just going to check my emails while we wait, folks. Don't you worry. I'm going to have to put these glasses back on, man. I got a headache. Oh, no. I'm on my own. Big sad. And he's back. And with that. Like circly death. Oh, I heard you there. We're good. We're oh, good. Oh, we're back. We're back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's fine. Discord freaks out whenever you disconnect like that. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. I, I wasn't concerned. <sighs> um, but yeah, so I, I used to read those until like two, three o'clock in the morning trying to fall asleep. Um, <laughs> so that was outside of that. I had no real exposure. I think we've spoke about this in the past. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I never did like comic books. But I'd I'd do that, and I would literally I would only read them on that Boxing Day, yeah. Like, and then I get an I'd get a new one for Christmas, which I'd read a little bit on Christmas Day, then play my toys, and I wouldn't really touch it again until the following year for Boxing Day. But I've had I've had an on and off not Boxing Day it, Christmas Eve. What am I talking about Christmas Eve? And no one I've has trouble a, sweeping on Boxing Day, idiot. <laughs> I have had an on and off uh, relationship with comics over the years. Uh, I remember being a kid. Um, Superman and Batman were kind of my thing, and that's kind of where the Batman animated series was really big. So, of course, you kind of wanted to fall into that. I remember reading Watchmen whenever it came out, and I still have my copy behind me. Um, of that, whenever they did the gigantic trade paperback for that, but then I go in and out of it. Like, I remember reading The Walking Dead whenever The Walking Dead first came out, and one of my uh, biggest you mean when they did a comic after TV show yeah the comic came out many well and so all right a little bit of piece of pack story whenever image released that comic book they weren't super sold on it and they didn't think it was going to sell because horror comics traditionally have never sold um very well so whenever image agreed you know robert kirkman one of his agreements for doing invincible was that he was going to be able to get to do this one as well so they printed that completely in black and white it's one of the handful of comics to this day that is still printed um in black and white um because originally they just didn't want to waste the money on the ink uh, and coloring it so you got the art on the front but anyway my point being is like so i was in on walking dead whenever it first started and one of my biggest regrets one of my regrets in life is at one point in time whenever we were trying to buy the house that we're currently we're currently in walking dead was in what was in its heyday and i sold my collections which ran from episode which ran from issue one to 100 i i bailed out on the comic book at episode 100 but i had all 100 issues of the walking dead bagged and boarded read once and then put into a bag they were all in Mm. perfect condition and they sold for a boatload which really helped on the down payment of the house but uh, if i it's one of those things if i had to do over again hmm, man i wish i could have that pack yeah I do still have my issue, my collection of Spawn from one to a hundred. That is still, yeah. that's, that's the one I decided to hang on to. There was Spawn. <laughs> that's the one I decided to hang on to. Is it Spawn or Walking Dead? Well, you know, the TV show is going to burn this out in popularity. Nah, we'll sell that one. I kept Spawn. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a Todd McFarlane fanboy at heart. That's really what it is. <laughs> oh, but um, I can't remember what we're talking about. Now. Um, we were talking about me working. So I worked really late. 
Last oh, night. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that's where we were. Yeah. Last night. Last night I was at work, got home. Uh, so yeah, so I was reading. I got in at 20 past two and read some of Dune. See, because that, that's where the tangent brings us back to. So I was there in bed go. reading my book. Um, got to sleep about 3 a.m., I think. But then Jill was working today. So I had to get up with Evie. Mm-hmm. And then my mum's here as well. So she was taking her out um, to an inflatable play centre kind of thing. And um, so she got up at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And then I just went back to bed. And I only woke up at 20 past two in the afternoon. So so your sleep schedule was all messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm still tired. It's fine. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've just, I've done... So I painted on Sunday. I finished some BFG stuff on stream. And then I painted a model on Monday because Jill was off. So I just like chilled out, did some painting. And I was like, oh, cool. Tuesday night, I've not really got anything planned. Do some painting. I didn't. Wednesday, Evie was at daycare. I did zero painting. Thursday, my mum was here. So she could have had Evie. I could have done some painting, done anything. Just didn't. Yesterday, I didn't do any painting, didn't do anything. I've just been like really tired and like, you're saying that for once I've done more painting than you. This but week. I still painted a full model well, this week. I didn't get know? that. I didn't get that far. I got my I base. Mean, I got my base coats down on my, on my flying high ferret. I painted Yara Umba for my Necromunda gang. Ooh. So that was a guy with the, uh, the hood, like the Hessian sack hood and the long, long last sniper rifle. Um, he should be up on my Instagram, I think. I don't think I looked at Instagram today. Uh, it's definitely on uh, Discord as well, but it's, I've posted pictures anyway. Um, but I've been meaning to like do more and just haven't. Like all the garbage on the, t- the table behind me is filled with crap again because I just yeah, I noticed bothered. that. Yeah, just I haven't bothered. Um, I've got a so you can see Martyrian just behind me. I think um, somewhere. Um, Are you working on that for commission or? Uh, so it's already done, but it was one of the first models I did for commission. So he sent it back and I did more to see if I could change it up. But then he's gone and sent me, because I said, to send it back. I'll take a I'll touch it up, any bits that aren't right. And then like changing the course. And if you want it taken, and I'll do that for free. And if you want it like doing more, then we can tra- talk about it. Right. But then he sent me a bunch of... Um, Three contempt to dreadnoughts and um, like seven death shroud terminators. I'm like, nice. I don't want to paint any more stuff for you. <laughs> I said I'd do this because like I already started it, so I might as well do it how you want it. But I'm like, god damn it! I, but it's like here now. A guy lives in BC, so I'm not going to like not do it. Yeah, I'm like, it keeps it, it keeps doing this to me, like sneaking more stuff on. Yep. Well, and Mortarion, I'm sure, was not an easy project. Oh, I hate painting big things as well. Hate it. Despise painting large models. Yeah, I'm having the same. And not that, because I don't think the Flying Hive Tyrant's even, it's close, but not remotely close as far as the size comparison between Mortarion and that. But there's so much, especially whenever it comes to chaos models um, from the Games Workshop line, there's so many different little fiddly bits. And here's a little, like, so like my son right now is currently in the process. He got, uh, I think I might've told you this, told you the story before, at least told the story before on the store, uh, on the show where Gabe snipered uh, two uh, Hellbrutes off of eBay. He got them dirt, dirt cheap. Mm. But those things there are 
dripping with trim. So it's Balthasar gold all over the place and little deep. Like he 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 got yeah. burned out. He hasn't gotten super far on it because he got burned out. He's like, I'm going to be here for four hours just doing Balthasar gold on this one model because there's so many little intricate details to get it into. So chaos models tend to seem to be that way. Yeah, I'm not a fan. What are you going to do? <laughs> they look great when they're done, though. Yeah, I, I like I've got some Death Guard stuff of my own I intended to do, but like you say, I just got burnt out on the project, so I haven't really looked at it. And that, that's why I was supposed to be a nice, cheeky, just do some of my own Necromunda stuff, and that'll be fine. And then I can work on Sisters, and I'm like, I've just done nothing. Can't wait. I, I, I haven't. I, I played um, was it this Wednesday. No, it would have been last week. We finished up our Arkham, um, Arkham campaign. Um, because we were playing the Dream Eaters, which is two mini campaigns. It's pretty interesting. You play two different investigators, one set in the Dreamlands and one set in the Waking World. Ooh. And you're trying to, like, um, just go through. I don't want to spoil anything for it, but... Like, in case you run it for us later. Well, this is uh, the card game one. Oh, gotcha. Um, and we finished that, so like, next week we'll do some palate cleansing game. But like, that that and then two games of x-wing and they've been on friday nights when i've been working and i kind of what i used to do is i i'm not i don't work friday nights but i go to a store and i host the x-wing and but i'm not at work but i can't remember the last time i went to a store to just play like, i wasn't clocked it yeah you know what i mean I uh, so i played one game where it like um so one of the new people wanted to wanted um, another game, and I was like, "Okay, I can play." And he wanted to play quickly, so like, we just played normal rules. That like, was in like current imprint rules. Gotcha. Does um, Tank the Realist rules haven't taken place yet? Yeah, yeah. And um, I ran. Um, I'm gonna have to bring it up. It was Gurry with advanced sensors, um, Boss with some stuff, and um, I'll bring up the list. It's not that difficult, is it? Um, where are we? Go there. Then, well, yeah, so it was Guri with, oh, I'm just going to find it rather than guess. Do, do, do. I'll, I'll definitely remember to edit the site. It's fine. <laughs> or not. Ah, it was not a chance. This is a one. Scum fun. So Guri, Lone Wolf, Pattern Analyzer, and Afterburners. There you go. Okay, so Pattern Analyzer, not Advanced Senses, because you can't take Advanced Senses anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the entire point. Um, then boss with intimidation, Lando, triple zero, and BT one. And the idea there is that, like, if you get an action, great. But if you don't, you get to in the engagement phase. Triple zero is pick a ship at range one. They either take a stress or you get a calculate token. Mm-hmm. Generally, people just give you a calculate. Yep. Because obviously, BT one, if they're stressed, you change a hit to a crit. And then Bosk changes a crit into two hits. Yep. So people Seems really don't, yeah, people really don't want to uh, take the stress. So they always give you a calculate. So then what I'll do, I'll focus and then get a calculate token, and Lando will actually spend any green token to reroll two dice. So you, even if like, they give you a calculate, it effectively gives you a tag locked focus shot. Interesting. Um, and then I had Nom Lom in a jump master with an auto blaster. And um, Dengar, just so I like, had a front arc and then Dengar to um, do damage on the way back. 
but he was running like, an Initiative 6 scum list, and I didn't even realise because he had the wrong card boarding on his Jumpmaster. He was running Dengar, but it was like an I-2 Jumpmaster oh, on the thing. I, it's my fault. I didn't ask. I didn't look at his cards. I just looked at the ship because like, we're going to play quick. Um, and he just shit rolled me. Just <laughs> 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 so like, I, I went to do stuff um, like relatively badly because I, I kind of sped non-warm in so that I could get it in a position to be in the way so that when he came around, I could collapse on him. But I didn't realise it was Dengar. So yeah. by the time I, he fired torpedoes at me and did a bunch of stuff, I was like, yeah, well, that's a bunch of damage. Yep. <laughs> yep. I agree. Mistakes were made. Um, so that was like over in five turns, everything dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hit stuff, but... I was just behind in the damage race. So, you know, make sure you know what list you're playing against sometimes. Um, And then I played last night against one of the listeners, Matt, and um, I ran my um, Inferno Squadron uh, mini swarm with X1 Vader again. And I played against Sean. But I made some tweaks to it this time. Uh, So I was a lot more... um, a lot more comfortable with the list this time around. So Vader was brilliant evasion and afterburners. So nothing in the sense of swap, no missile this time. So he's similar points, but um, he's pretty trigger happy on spending that force. Cause I'm like, if I, uh, if I use fire control system, we kind of end up locked in on a target because you want to keep the target lock so you can convert hits to crits with the, the ship ability. I'm like, but Vader doesn't struggle for action, so if I just take a target lock every turn and spend one force for a focus, right, it's pretty, you know what I mean? It's not, not yeah, that big of a loss. And then brilliant evasion in case I'm like low on force and need it for defense. And afterburn is, is I think, essential on the X1. Um, and then I, I had three points left after I'd done all four um, Inferno Squadron and put marksmanship on Sane Manara. Marana? Marana. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I struggle with letters. There's too many consonants in that name and vowel <laughs> and all of the same vowel. Um, so I, I just caved and put marksmanship on all of them because I was like, I wanted to have um, what Ruthless on Gideon. And I'm like, yeah, Gideon can be Ruthless. He's rolling extra attack dice. So fuck all of the rest of Inferno Squadron. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I was like, Discipline would be really good. I'm like, it would. But then I'd have to drop something off Vader. So I ended up just putting marksmanship on everyone. It works out whenever you get in the bullseye. It's okay. Yeah, well, I played against Matt. And um, I don't know if you've seen the Discord today. We're, we're having a bit of a back and forth. Cause we're talking about his play style. And he was running um, a go- Hera in the Ghost. And Ooh. then two U-Wings. So Cassian and um, Kejuso. And... It's just like mega efficient, he joist in and like lots of attack dice. But we were talking about it and I, I basically went aggressive with the tie swarm at the start. He popped layer and zeroed with his U-wings. So then I was like, well, Hera's obviously going to come in there. So I just swept to the side to face Hera. He, um, he reinforced with us. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do a, too much damage. But then like, Vader pinged some shields off. Um, same dealt a damage card underneath the shields. Yep. And I, 
acts actually really good because she deals the damage card under the shields, which then reduces you to only having one hit, which means that reinforce doesn't do anything. So you ping off another shield. <laughs> Whereas in like if you didn't spend the crit, it would just one of them would get cancelled anyway, you know? Right. And that activates Gideon, so he's rolling an extra dice. It means that Delmico is activated when Hera shoots next round. Um, but yeah, he did come in with Hera and rolled like a five dice range one shot with Target Lock and Saw Guerrera, um, which Saws convert all he focuses to crits and then you take a damage. But uh, he got four, it was two hits and two crits. And I was like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Just popped Iden immediately. <laughs> So like first shot first shot into TIE Fighters, I had to pop Iden. But then like Hera, I left with six hull left. Because all of the crits that got through because of marksmanship were all mm. directs. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, mm, yeah. So then I was like, well, Hera's pretty much dealt with now. So then I moved. I, I'm not going to put myself in a bad table position to keep chasing her, especially right. because... The TIE Fighters will never catch Hera because of the way she manipulates the dial. So that would mean that Vader has to chase her. And I'm, I'm not putting Vader in a stupid position. So I actually, I, I was, Matt was looking at me like, what are you doing? So I was like, I put my dial down. And I was like, this is a correct decision. I shouldn't change it. And then, so I, I was in a position I could hard three out of a fight and swing around and never be any danger for Vader. No matter what happens, Vader's gonna be completely fine, worlds of room, can pick his targets, never be in any danger. Or I can one bank and just keep pumping away and dealing more damage. <laughs> and I'm like, the correct choice, Chris, is you just turn out with Vader and then the TIE Fighters will grind you'll grind with the TIE Fighters, they'll do damage and die slowly, and then Vader will come in and clean up. If you get Vader into the endgame, you've won, it's all fine. Yep. But I want to do this one bank. Oh, oh, I really want this one bank. Oh man, it'll be awesome. There's no way here I'll just be at range one of Vader and kill him. It'll be fine. So, so I I put the down. I was like, Matt, this is set. I'm not changing it. Don't let me change. I'm not even going to pick it up and look at it again. This is the correct choice. Yep, Doesn't matter if it's not it. what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. And then I, I flipped it off. I was like, oh, you're turning out? It's like, of course I'm turning out. This is a correct choice. This is objective of a way that I should be playing this game. Yep. But I'm like, I, I just wanted that one bank. Just like, oh, just keep just keep shooting. It'll be all right. I was uh, I was so was... proud of myself, though, because I, 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 I played, if you objectively looked at the game, I did the completely wrong thing, but I knew it was the correct way to win the game because, like, I'm not going to chase here. I'm going to turn Vader out and I can collapse on Cassian and Cassian is just going to get wrecked because he can't get away. Right. So I let Hera get away. Hera got a shot off and it like, doesn't matter. I've got Delmico at this point. So she did bring some damage, but then all my TIE fighters get to fire and I stripped, um, I stripped Cassian down to like um, no shields and then like, Vader didn't shoot because I turned him out. And then the next turn, I was like, well, if I commit to staying on to Cassian, I'll be in a really bad position, but I can collapse on K2SO next and then not get shot. So I collapsed onto K2SO and like only took one shot that round and like Vader collapsed on the same target. And I, I put him to have him one health remaining. So I'd done like three rounds of shooting and I'd focus all my fire on different ships, which is kind of how you wouldn't tell people to play. 
Yeah, that's that's like the exact opposite of how you... But but it makes sense. So that's a good general rule for X-Wing, which is basically pick a ship, take it off the board, move on to the next target. However, as you've clearly pointed out, there are some instances where that one ship that you're trying to take take out can kite you into a position where it's like, okay, I'm going to set you up for these other ships to close in on you. And there is a correct point in the game to turn out of that situation and pick a new target, even though it feels bad walking away from half points as it's flying over in that general direction. It is strategically the right decision. Yeah. You know, so I was looking at a dot. It's like, if I, I can't guarantee getting shots on the thing that I've just been shooting, but I can guarantee a really good range of shooting on this target. Mm-hmm. So if it, if I'm avoiding more shots, it doesn't matter. Cause like, as long as my ships are still on the table, and his ships are still on the table, it doesn't matter. Uh, if I'm shooting five times, he's only shooting once, I have to come out on top. Yeah. And that, and it was it was interesting to play in that, that way. I was like, the, if someone asked me how you should play, this is exactly not how I would tell them. Yeah, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Like, that's I'm the gonna, thing about general rules. There are always exceptions to some yeah. of those general rules. So, I mean, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And then, obviously, I... Um, I think I swept in and killed um I killed Hera and K2 so I think in one round. Um because Hera had at this point Hera had three health left. K2 so had one health and um Cassian was like had taken one damage or something. But it's like we got to a point and I was like, yeah, we're probably done. We don't need to keep playing now. Yeah. Which was really good to see from I mean, obviously it's not good to see because you want to have a fun, engaging game. But like seeing Matt was like, yeah, this game's probably done now. Even if we played, I I'll get these points, and being able to work out that, yeah, is good. especially like if we ever get like system opens back, where like MLV is irrelevant because it's always if you're five and one, you make the cut. If you're four and two, you make the cut. The MLV within that is irrelevant, and then it's a knockout tournament, right? Because what generally happens for X-Wing tournaments is the system itself holds you hostage in the game and stops you from conceding because your MOV matters. Yep. So you have to sit and play it out, and that's horrible. So hopefully if we ever get away from that, that, that kind of thing will become more prevalent where you're like, yeah, well, the game should go like this, this, and this, so we're pretty much done here, but thanks for game. Do you want to play again later? You know what I mean? You just move on. And I think, especially for game nights, I think more there's more value to be had from that than grinding out the full 12 rounds or a full 75 minutes, however you're playing at the moment. Yeah. No, I tend to agree. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I still feel that MOV has its place. I remember being, I'm still a huge proponent for large tournaments because there has to be some way of distinguishing from top 32 to top 30. Like there, um, there needs to be strength, some strength way. for schedules objectively better, but um, we don't play enough games for any of them to actually be relevant. Strength of schedule fails down in its face, though, whenever you have someone that loses two games in the, in the first two rounds, say, okay, I'm done, and then they drop the rest of the tournament. It lowers yeah, so, the that, so that that is a true statement, but that is a fault of the people. The fault of MOV is a fault of the system in that your MOV score is inversely proportional to your strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah, and I get that. But the, the, the data literally shows that if you go through and compare what the strength of schedule from events were, I, I looked at it not too long ago when I think I was having a discussion with Chris Allen about how we was going to run an event or something. 
we were having a back and forth about MOV and strength of schedule and stuff. And um, yeah, if you, I think they've, they've pulled data from a bunch of the online events and it is just inversely proportional. Yeah. So the lower, if you played weaker opponents, your MOV is higher. Like, who knew? Yeah. Like, once you think about it, it's stupidly obvious. And in that instance, is is if that is true, is strength of schedule better? I think if, all right, so all things being equal in that a person who entered a six-round event for day one or flight one, the way that they used to run like Worlds or yeah. the big like um, Nationals events, all things being equal, if everybody played all six of those games, I agree with you, strength of schedule would be the best system. The problem yeah. with that is not everybody does that. And that's something that it's always a feels bad moment for the player who won those games, because that is something that is completely outside of your control. Someone that you faced in round one, who later went on to drop the tournament, drops your strength of schedule through no fault of your own. There's nothing. Oh, I agree. Can... And, uh, Whereas but... with MOV, I can control that. As but you, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you can't control who you play against in each bracket. So if you no. play against this, like if you're if round one, your round one's against Paul Heaver, and my round one's against uh, little Jimmy, who's just picked up X Wing. Mm-hmm. I I can control how much I punish little Jimmy by. You can control how much you win against Paul by. But one of those things is not like the others. Yeah, I I agree, but I think that that filters itself out as you start getting into higher rounds. But that's what I'm saying. It objectively doesn't because the data supports that your MOV score is inversely proportional to your strength schedule. So what you're saying is there's no perfect X-Wing tournament yes. system is what you're yeah. trying to say. That's yeah. what, well, that's why, I'm saying. I, that's why I like the system. All, even though I've never actually played in one, when you actually sit and think about it, it's like, all you have to do is win your games. Yeah, I don't care. Like, And that frees up. Once the game's done, being able to sit, like, objectively look at the table and go, this game is done. Shall we call it now? And it goes back to the same kind of feeling that I got with um, intentional draws. That you you can reopen that wound. Well, I don't not in the the roll up sense because like that's a different conversation entirely. But like once you've got to a point where you see that that's that's right, and like I've seen I've seen meaningless games like. You have seen this as well for everything, like in a club night where there's literally nothing at stake, people will play out for 75 minutes. Even though it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's like, would you have more fun playing a fresh game or do you actually want to see the outcome of this game? Yeah. And like, there's, no, there's no right or wrong choice. It's what so you the- in the moment want. So, for those who don't know how the system opens work, they were never determined by a top X number. So it all, when um, the way it works, paraphrasing basically is the, there is not yeah there is no top cut. You don't cut to thirty two. You don't cut to sixty four. You take the number of players and cut to a clean number. So uh, if if for example it works out that there'll be forty people who are like um, four and two, then it that filters. And the way you reward for people who did better is that those people get the buys in the in the knockout stage, right. whilst the other people play against themselves until you have a clean elimination bracket. So yeah, 
Yeah. So it's literally just based on wins. Yeah. Win, win and you're in, lose and you're out. So yeah. that whether it does eliminate the strength of schedule, it's is, whether I won by one or I won by a hundred or two hundred to nothing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The only time I like MLV is in a league format or a round robin format. Yeah. I'm always a proponent of strength of schedule. Um, I feel that the only real problem with strength of schedule is your primary tiebreaker is that we do not play enough games of Swiss for it to be relevant. Yeah, because there's only six rounds. It'd be different if like 12. Yeah, and I, that's just the nature of playing miniatures games. You're taking systems that are designed from like chess tournaments with a much higher number of people in attendance that play games at a, a lot shorter time. You know what I mean? If we're going to steal uh, stuff from chess tournaments, I think they should steal how they rank people. Um, like, again, we don't play enough games for an ELO system to work. Not to determine the outcome of an individual event, I agree. To determine the attendance at that event, I would argue that we do. So you could you could host your local six-man tournament on a Saturday at the store, and you could post those results. And uh, AMG could go, all right, this is the cutoff. If your value is this, you get an yeah. invite to, to Worlds. No, I agree. And like, I think the part, part of the problem with that kind of system is, is that, that would, if the two of us were to objectively put in the same amount of effort, you would place higher than me, regardless of results. Because like, if, if I put a cap of I'm willing to drive two hours to go to a mm-hmm. tournament, I would get to go to one tournament a year if I could find someone else to host it. If you could, if you put a cap of being able to drive to two hours to get to a tournament, your number of events that you would attend would be higher, thereby increasing the natural score that you would get regardless yeah, of it. Yeah, all right. How yeah. dare you interfere with this with real logic and stuff, damn it. No, I mean, but that's, Good I think that's the entire point, isn't it? That there's, there is no correct answer. There's making the best of a situation we have. And yeah, I... I, I'm not trying to poo-poo the idea of it. It's just that's where I mean, like, when I don't think we play enough games, it's I don't think... Um, so I'm going to use some esports examples. Now, like, a game like Counter-Strike, which has got an open circuit where different tournament organisers will come in and have their invitationals and invite specific teams and have qualifiers. So you get to see... Um, different teams from different continents playing each other all the time, and you naturally get a filter... Whereas in a game like League of Legends, which has got a closed circuit run by a developer, where they split into a North American League, a European League, where you only have worlds once a year, they, it's a lot harder in League of Legends to say, objectively, this team was the best team this year. Because if, so, Don Wonkia shot the bed in the final and lost um, a three-and-two a three and two, um five game series they went all five games and lost against what was arguably a weaker team and it because they just played better in that game does that mean that damonkia were a weaker team for the year who can say but because they will all you'll only ever get to see the winner of the chinese league play the winner of a korean league once in the year for league of legends and that was in the final mm-hmm it's a lot harder to have the conversation. Whereas in Encounter Strike, because it's an open circuit, the best team in Europe might play the best team in America like seven times. Right. So you get a better spread. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, there it is. 
That's, is that does that cover you? Um, I mean, that covers like 17 different topics and we're like 50 minutes in if we discount the time we were sat here going, eh, did I just like decide to not play anymore? Oopsie, that happened. All right, so real quick, let me get a couple of things out of the way. First of all, I had a dose of the Chris Luck this past week. Gabe and I went up to the local game store on Tuesday, um, played some games. Uh, they hired... So this is something might be noteworthy technically on the sign outside of the store it says that the shop closes at eight ed works until five his current schedule permits him to be working from home at five so by the time i close the lid on my laptop pack up the armies get him into the car swing by a drive-thru and eat food on the way up to the store i get to the store about six o'clock we have traditionally had employees that work at my local game store that are usually like that open close date is kind of nebulous like oh you guys are gonna be here till 9 9 30 okay great so we've been able to finish almost every game that we've played so far they have hired a new employee the new employee says eight o'clock the door's closed i did not know this until we started playing the game we get into the game chad and i are playing against each other chad freaking rick rolled me on turn one thousand sons are so good they are so he had the most devastating psychic phase i've ever seen here here's the thing that's kind of like a smite let me roll my d3 mortal wounds there's three hey this is the super smite there's six like legitimately he was deleting units in the psychic phase before I'd even picked up, I didn't, because of their mortal wounds, and I have no psychic defense in my Necron army, there's literally, like, I'm literally just picking models off the board. Like, there's nothing I can do at all. But that's neither here nor there. On the drive home, driving down the road, 25 miles an hour, coming up on a red light, engine dies on the car. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So Gabe and I kind of coast into a parking lot, turn the car off, turn the car back on, it starts back up. I'm like, all right, I have to take it to the garage tomorrow, find out what's going on with this. I go to put it in drive and step on the gas and nothing happens. So to shorten that story up, I get it towed to a garage. My regular mechanic looks at it and goes, I think there's something wrong with your transmission. He's like, we pulled the fluid. The fluid's all black. I've got bad feelings about this. I don't do transmissions. I'm going to have you take this over to a transmission shop and have them take a look. I have a distinct fear that, oh, I don't know, six weeks before Christmas that a very, very large expense for repairing my car is coming. Like one of those expenses you're like, well, is it just better to trade the car in and go buy a new one kind of expenses? Mm. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I'm a little concerned. Uh, of course, the transmission shop, it's the week before Thanksgiving here in the U.S. So, of course, the transmission guy is like, I'm not even going to look chance to even look at this until after Thanksgiving. I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah. So it is what it is. Luckily, we bought Gabe a car for his birthday. So there are three vehicles here. So, unfortunately, one of us has to take Gabe to work and pick him up from work on the days that I have to go to the office. But, yeah. yeah. So that fucking blows. <laughs> no, That's the one thing we always have is because we've, technically we only need one car it's a pain but it's not you know what i mean it's not a big deal it's an inconvenience it's weird because so gabe only turned 16 in february it's 16 driving each year in the u.s had to sit for six months basically on his learner's permit before he was actually you know got himself he's got a job he works at it he works at a grocery store so so it's only been since like august since we've had three vehicles up and running and moving people around. But in that three months, 
it immediately became an instant inconvenience to go, oh, crap, we're down to two cars. Yeah. When six months before, three months before, we were totally fine operating under two cars. Now, all of a sudden, it's a gigantic big deal. No, I, I understand, man. I understand. So, I, like I said, I've got bad feelings. I, I, I've been pulling the Han Solo joke all week. Like, I've got a bad feeling about this, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's not as bad as I think it is, but I think it's as bad as I think it is. Mm. So, let's get that out of the way we finished the alien rpg i don't want to give spoilers out because i know someone's going to be compiling all of that but we finished alien rpg and we had some good conversation on the uh the module after i think in hindsight maybe i should have picked a different module to play as opposed to that one i I mean i i will defend you here that i don't think i don't think you not running the starter box module is something that you should intuitively just think I, my criticism of a module has got nothing to do with you. It's, 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 it doesn't really swing in my head. And I was chatting with Greg about it and his thoughts were like, well, but is that not just what the game is supposed to be though? And I'm like, maybe, maybe. And I, like not giving away spoilers on the module, like where the company man's kind of working on his own agenda for the company that may or may not necessarily be in alignment with the survival of the rest of the crew, for example. But it just, yeah, so it feels like a very PvP game, um, but module. And if that is the tone that all of the games are supposed to have, it brings me back to that thing of I don't know. And maybe it is the setting. Maybe if you're running a Colonial Marine game, it's a completely different feel. Yeah, and I think it I think my point is that I would probably do a Colonial Marine game for your starter box. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. So in any case, so we did button up. I do get a chance whenever Chris does compile that and get that up on the Dice uh, YouTube channel, we will be able to see the the exciting conclusion to that one. Like I said, overall, I was satisfied. The story had the conclusion that I thought it was going to have. A lot of disagree. A lot. I did not think at the uh, at the last hurdle that that would be the conclusion that it had. I had fun with it, and I yeah. so I totally get it. So Alan, I think, probably had it pretty much on nose on point as far as what the average person playing a role-playing. You, me, anyone else says, hey, there's this cool role-playing game. Let's go and play this. We all consider ourselves to be all kind of on the same team, working towards the same goal. He yeah. was very, I don't know if off puts the right word, but confused almost. I, I think he that- was in the worst possible position by his <laughs> character goals and alignments in that he his experience was all tailored that it is a normal role-playing game let help the team man just make sure everyone mm-hmm. else is okay everyone else is your friend it'll be good don't worry about it and everyone else's like agenda is fuck everyone right i'm getting out with my skin and some cash and that's how it's gonna work like, so and I can see it from his side. I mean, I probably would have been, had I been that character and then um, with no expectations at all of what the game is about. And I, I think, and I've thought about it more. And I, I think the pitch, right, when we go back to how I pitched the different D&D things, mm-hmm. I think the pitch for that has to take into account that. So the the way this type of game works is that everyone is their own individual their own individual motives and it's up to the players how much they come together and align those motives 
or not if you and like even having a thing of like if you choose to be two separate parties doing two separate things that is okay and i will mm-hmm. make it work yeah like the the players have to have faith in you as a game mother to actually like manage their enjoyment and their time in the spotlight and everything like that and i think you did a good job like it was it was difficult so we spent very little time all in the same room <laughs> Yeah, because so. everyone was off kind of doing had yeah. their own agenda. I will say, though, that overall, um, I think playing the game over Discord worked out just fine. Um, I think we were all we were all doing dice rolls over the honor system. So I'm so my advice to anyone who is interested in playing the game and want to you know, feel like they have to go out and get the foundry module modules or the roll 20 modules. I don't know that those are necessarily required because the game very much is theater of the mind. Would it have been nice to be able to pull a map up and have individual icons on the map to say, this is where this person is. And that's where that person is. Sure. But because we were doing so much of it in theater of the mind, and since there was very little wing so much as there was playing, I thought that I thought it worked out fine. So Overall, yeah. though, I think if we do get an opportunity to to delve back into that game again, I'm absolutely going to go for more of a everyone's on the same team kind of module, as opposed to the uh, intrigue that we had and uh, with, with that. Yeah. So that's done. And we had I had a good time. I enjoyed it. I can put that back on my shelf now and say, OK, I, I, I've gotten that out of my system. Um, beyond that gaming wise, as I already alluded to, I, I committed on the crates discord to, uh, painting my flying hive tyrant. Uh, I had commitments this morning, um, but I had a good two hour window where I had nothing scheduled to do anything. So I sat down and I got my base coats down for my flying hive tyrant. So I got some, um, Cadian flesh tones down and I've got most of my carapace, uh, prepared and ready for wash. I have some cleanup I have to do tomorrow. My hope is to start washing tomorrow while Chris is doing his painting stream. If you're doing your painting stream tomorrow, I will be. Yeah. Um, I also have obviously Thanksgiving break coming up, which gives me four days in a row. So my, I, I don't feel that my, at this juncture, I don't feel that my goal of getting this completed for the end of the month is in danger. I think I'm well on my way and I think I should have that done. Yeah. And the la- one of the other things I want to talk to before I get into the, the 40k topic, which is probably going to be the last thing I'm going to touch on. I had an interesting fortuitous uh, event happen that I just thought I would share because it's a cool story. So a couple of weeks ago, my youngest son was talking about video games that he remembered playing when he was a kid. And some of the, the only console that we had for a really, really long time was the old Nintendo Wii. Um, backstory a little bit. I've kept up with consoles right up until the PlayStation 2. Then I got married, had kids, and I'm like, okay, PlayStation 3 is out. Ooh, that's $600. I got a kid on the way. I can't buy that. So I didn't. Um, we didn't buy a console until the Wii came out because that was a gigantic thing whenever my young, my oldest son was born. So, of course, we got one of those. It was pretty family-friendly, all kinds of family-friendly games for a long time. That was the only console that we had in the house until we bought the PS4 a few years back. So my to kid- interject, I saw sure, a man. post on Facebook today saying that the PS3 is 15 years old now. I know. Fucking shit. 15, are you fucking shitting me? Yeah. 15 years old. I was like, no, it can't be right. No, that can't be. Like, oh, 15 I mean, years old. I mean, maybe a Super Nintendo is 15 years old. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. what? Yeah, it's fucking horrible, isn't it? Oh, man. Getting old sucks, I'm like, man. oh, can you imagine 20 years ago, you know, in 1990? Like, oh, what? Wait, what? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Matt's not working <laughs> out right here. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Man. It all, makes me sad. 
where all this gray <laughs> hair comes from. That shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, so my youngest son was, they were all reminiscing about these old Wii games. I'm like, I think we have it in a box somewhere. Let's go ahead and take it out and toss it on the TV and have it try it. And long story short, the Wii did not function. I took it to a guy to repair it, wasn't working. And I'm like, okay, crap. So my thought process was, well, Christmas is coming. There's a great retro game store in my neighborhood. Maybe I'll pick up one for, for, for Christmas for the kids. Fast forward three weeks, um, where I work, we have a whole bunch of IT equipment in this big storage room. And every couple of months, my boss goes through and says, okay, we have a whole bunch of equipment here that we don't use, old, let's get rid of it. And as long as I've worked there, I have seen a copy of Wii Sports sitting in a box. And I asked about it one time and they said, oh, well, a few years back for Christmas, we went out and bought a Wii so that we could, you know, play Wii bowling for a Christmas for a Christmas event. And we set it up for a couple of hours, tore it all down, put it in a box and it sat on the shelf. It has never been touched since not one time been touched since. So of course my boss is going through all the boxes and he goes, We're, we, we do what we call the IT flea market, which is here's a couple of pieces of older equipment that aren't up to specs for what we would keep into production now, but here's a couple of laptops. I mean, they still run windows 10, but they're just not up to our current specs. We're going to put those out for the, Wii, the, the IT flea market. Mm. Well, as soon as that, we went onto that box. It never actually got onto the cart because Ed snagged it. And I never looked and see what was in the box. I just knew that there was a Wii in there and that Wii sports was in there, which is all I was genuinely interested in. Mm. <clears throat> I get it home and I open the box and what I find is, so the, Wii is in perfect condition. It's a black, it's one of the black Wii's with the Wii motion plus plus remotes. One of the Wii Motion uh, Plus remotes has never been opened. It is still in the brand new OEM Nintendo. The two nunchucks that come with the Wii's have never been opened. They are still in the OEM. They literally told you they just played one game of Wii Bowling and moved on with their lives. And moved on with their lives. There were (laughs) four games in the box. We, uh, We, uh, obviously Wii Sports was open, was still on the console at the time, but there was Wii Resort in there, had never been opened, and there was Wii, uh, New Super Mario's Wii, sealed, sealed, perfect, brand new, and then one other game, I think it was like Glee with a microphone kind of thing. So I went, holy crap. They even had like the the uh, the component compa- cables, not just the, you know, red, blue, yellows, like the full yeah. five cable, brand new, still in Nintendo OEM packaging. I went, this is a brand, this is brand new. This is used for a couple of hours and brand new. Like, holy crap. Ended up selling the the new Wii um, Super Mario Brothers sealed, got $120 for it on eBay and took that $120 and just bought a whole bunch of used games on eBay. (laughs) Because I'm like, I'm going to convert this one game into a whole bunch of new games. So we ended up getting like Smash Brothers. We ended up getting, you know, Mario Galaxy, all that fun stuff. So the last couple of the last couple of weeks has been I've got Wii Arm is what I'm getting at because <laughs> I have been doing Wii bowling with the kids for the last couple of weeks. I totally forgot how much fun that console was. But there was like that's yeah. one of those stories that you hear about like, oh, there's this guy. Samba de Amigo was um was our um game of choice when we had people around. Ooh. Uh, the Maracas. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally forgot that was one of the, that was the era of like the rhythm games of like the yeah. Guitar Hero that kind of thing. Yeah, didn't do any of it. I think I got the Beatles Guitar Hero, but it just wasn't for us. But Samadhi Amigo, making a fool like yourself, um, dancing <laughs> to Rihanna with your maracas, you know. There you go. There you go. I'm have to. Do, I'm gonna have to do, what, see would recommend if you can find a copy of Samadhi Amigo with them. You have to get the clip on like 
never rotting, never going in a, like if they go in a landfill, they will outlive the planet. Plastic <laughs> orange maracas. I will have to see if I can find them. Yeah, I would highly recommend it, man. It's super good fun. But so at least if nothing else, that was fortuitous. Like I said, brand new system, so it's got. I eight. mean, there you go. I, you you lose on the car, you win on a away. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a fair trade, but <laughs> you take the trades you can get. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take the wins and the losses. That's how it works. All right. So the last thing I want to cover real quick, I know it's going to be forty k related. The reason why I wanted to bring this up here because I feel like it's a direction that miniature war gaming in twenty twenty one going into twenty twenty two moving forward is something that we might want to start considering. So in the last couple of weeks, Games Workshop did something which was phenomenal. A little bit of their history for a brief moment. They have tradition, people have traditionally poo-pooed Games Workshop for a handful of reasons. First of all, they're always, they always want to complain about Games Workshop prices, which I have debunked multiple, multiple times. Yes, their models are expensive. However, skiing's expensive. Golf's expensive. You pick a hobby, it's expensive. I totally get it that, you know, it's 18 cents worth of plastic that you're paying $60 for. But there's, I mean, that's not an argument as far as I'm concerned. Like, there's so many different ways. I mean, how much does it cost to grow poppies? And, you know, all people's expensive, man. I know, I know, right? But one of the things, if if there is a fair criticism to put to them, is the fact that they have never genuinely cared about game balance for the vast majority of the 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 lifespan of 40k they would put codexes out those codexes would be broke as shit maybe they'd release an faq a year or two down the line to kind of correct a couple of things but they never adjusted points they never adjusted anything like that and it so there that's one of the reasons why i ended up going to playing x-wing in the first place is because the sixth edition started coming to play that became very blatantly obvious that they were just making rules to create to writing rules to sell models and then never going in and auto-correcting that in any way, shape or form. The game became very unbalanced, which pushed me out of the game because it just wasn't fun. Fast forward. It's my understanding that eighth edition, they kind of started to correct the score, the course with these, um, yearly books. Point. Yeah. I think, I thought it was twice. You could do a general's handbook every year. And then there was an interim one in between each Right. It'd be like so, the big the big FAQ, which is halfway through yeah. the season, quote unquote, where they had adjust points again. But that didn't start for 40k at least until eighth edition. That way they went seven editions through without with, with that particular mentality. They made an announcement this week with ninth edition. They did a and I, I the game balance data slate. <clears throat> Excuse me. The game balance data slate, which is designed specifically to adjust the not only point levels but power levels of armies in the game. So they went through and made gigantic sweeping changes in the game. This Hero- is what happens when Orcs win an event, Ed. I know. Orcs win Hero- once and then... One time, one time. Here are three armies that are clearly dominating the meta right now. We need to adjust them. So they adjust the rules for how many flyers you can have in a game. They adjust the rules for how many buggies you can have in the game to basically nerf that entire Orc list. They go through and look at Drukhari and uh, Admech and go... These guys are kind of ridiculous. Let's raise their points so that we can kind of help bring game balance. So a lot of the, like the tournament list that we're running at 2000 points under the new points go up to like 23, 2400. So they're losing 400 points worth of stuff to, to adjust that. They said, Hey, Necrons, you guys are kind of failing. Let's help you out and make all of your units core. So all of these abilities, these aura abilities that are coming off of your leaders now affect units that they didn't affect before in the codex. But the exciting part more than anything else is they announced that these changes are going to be quarterly. So they will be able to keep an eye on the meta, 
see what is going on, see what armies are dominating, see where things are broken. And instead of having to wait a year or six months or sometimes longer to have some sort of correction in the meta, they are going to do this every three months digitally. It's not going to be a book you have to buy. It's not, it's going to be every three months, like clockwork, a new update is going to come. And it's going to, when you buy the codex, you get the code for a digital copy now, don't you? Correct. So it'll auto adjust. It mine already auto adjusted on mine. Um, whenever they made what's what is core, but for for the Necrons anyway. But my point being is that that is something that traditionally I would have never pointed to Games Workshop and said they're keeping an eye on the meta and they're looking at game balancing and they want the game to perform well. Traditionally, that has not been that. And when I thought about this change, I'm like, why don't other tabletop miniature games like what? How do you keep a traditional tabletop uh, miniatures game in the world of video games and computer gaming how do you keep people interested and how do you keep them engaged you can't keep up with this model of i have to keep buying new rules like i bought a so the worst case scenario is like so i bought a codex my codex is from eighth edition and then they did uh, a psychic awakening well that's a 50 dollars book i've got to buy for three pages of rules for my army uh, and then oh wait, uh, how much is this, how much is the story though how many pages is the story and i'm not disagreeing and i'm and that's kind of the other counterpoint to that one. It's like, well, some people are trying to push in the direction of, well, Games Workshop should just eliminate codexes altogether, which I do not believe is the right answer. But those codices could just as easily be, here's the story. If you want the story of your army, here it is. But the points levels and the rules, you could release digitally. Like, you don't need that book. So, like, for example, right now, my Tyranids are in a position where they have an 8th edition codex. There was a Psychic Awakening that gave them abilities in one book. There is a new book that just came out, Warzone Octarios, that gives them additional rules. Now, they encompass the stuff that was in Psychic Awakening, so technically you can kind of mix that book out, but you've already bought the book. Would you like me to introduce you to a game called Necromunda? Do they do the same thing there, too? I mean, I'll let you finish, but we'll, we'll circle back around, okay? We'll circle back. My point is that financially, it's already an expensive game to start off. It's one; it's a huge barrier to entry to say, hey, here's this cool army. If you want to play this army, you've got to buy this book and this book and then that book. And then every six months, they're going to like, you've got to, got to keep up with the point. Like, it just seems like too much. There's way too much bookkeeping to knowing what your army can do. Where like way back in the day, this is my book and there's the rules and there's the points. That's it. If they did something in a more digital format like that, where it's here are the points for my army right now. Here's the cool story. I can read that. That can sit on my shelf and I can read that. But when I'm going into an event, I have all the points and rules that I need at my fingertips. That's the general direction I feel that they should genuinely be heading. So my hope is that this is where it's going because they also, the week before, did an online survey, which is something else that Games Workshop has never done before. 27 question survey on how they're doing, how the game's doing, the health of the game, like what would you change, what little pieces of information. And obviously they had this change already in in their back pocket with the intent of releasing that. But my hope is that they go through and read some of those and go, huh, here were some other interesting ideas. Because I know the note that I put in was like, I don't want to have to buy three or four books to play my army. Give me digital rules. It's 2021. Hopefully they listen. But I think that they're going in the right direction. I thought it was an interesting move coming from a company who's traditionally moved at a snail's pace to fix anything competitive. This is the first move in my and since I've been playing that I feel that they've moved in the right direction. Now tell me the horror stories of playing Necromunda. 
So let me just go to the GW website so I can get you the uh, correct list. So right. I, I'll I'll go through this journey with you. Right. If you would like to play Necromunda, you can go out and you can buy current Hive War box. Uh, that comes with a nice thin rule book and tells you to play, and it gives you rules for tying your games together. But there is no like campaign mode. There's no like there's nothing of a depth that makes Necromunda Necromunda. That's like the the learn to play box. So you've bought that, and you're like, I oh, you enjoyed that. Are they listed in the box game sets? Because I don't even see Necromunda on the yeah. top top banner. Yeah. So you go box games, and then like down oh, there they there underneath they Adeptus Titanicus. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I got it. Yeah. So you can buy the Necromunda Hive War box, and that gives you a bunch of terrain, and then an Escher gang and a Dalak gang. Yep, got it. Yep. So if you, right, that's, that's fine, all and good, you know, but the, or you can have the rule book for $70, you know. <laughs> $110, but if you buy this book, the the scenarios are different to the Hive War scenarios, because Hive War plays on the shorter map whereas in necromunda proper you can play in two ways so mortalis which are 12 by 12 tiles that you assemble so you can play on like an x-shaped board or like Mm -hmm. you you as long as your tile is touching the center tile when you place the next one you know you can build weird and wonderful tables so it's not always the same symmetrical shape um blah 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 so uh, realistically you need this book to play proper Necromunda. Then, uh, if you're not sure what gang you want to do, you might buy the Gangs of the Underhive book, which gives you like, rules for all of the, all of the gangs, and like, they're pretty generic, or you, they now have a gang book for each, like House Cordor, House Delark, House Escher, House Goliath, House Orlok, House Vansar. So you, if you if you wanted to play Goliath Ed, you'd go out and buy the House of Chains book, right? So now you've spent $70 on your rule book, um, I think house uh, like fifty. This is Canadian dollars. I should change mm-hmm. it to US. Forty-seven for forty-seven for House of Chains. Sixty dollars for the Necromunda rulebook, and one hundred fifty dollars yeah, so, for the box set. So US. we'll ignore the box set because you don't need that. You're going to play at a store who's got the terrain. You know, we're living the dream here. Um, <laughs> so you're paying sixty dollars for that. So one hundred and seven dollars so far. Right, and then you you go out and buy your models. You convert up your gang play your first game, and then your opponent goes, all right, okay, so we're playing in a campaign. Do you want to go and spend your money in a trading post? And you go, in the what? Mm. Because because you knew you wanted to play Goliath, you didn't buy the Gangs of the Underhive book, because that's the only place where a trading post is. Oh, my God. So now you've got to go and buy that book. Even though it's got the rules for Goliaths in there, they're different to the uh, Goliath book rules. So you've got to ch- you can play... Gangs of the Underhive Goliath or House of Chain Goliath, and they're completely different. What? So the only thing you need from that book is the trading post rules. And then you play a little bit, you know, you get all your territories and everything, and you're like, oh, this is going really good fun. And then it's just like, oh, man, do you know, wish we could go at Outlaw Gangs as well, so I can go to a black market. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, then if you go and buy the, uh, the Book of Ruin, I believe it is, you get the rules for the Palatine Enforcers and the Corpse Grinder Cults, and also rules for running um, out, Outlaw Gangs, so you now have a black market. But you can't go to a black market if you don't have a, tra- a black market trading post. So you have to have that book. Oh my god! And then it's like you want some higher guns. You know, you might maybe we want to hire a bounty hunter. Well, you know, did you buy the um, 
what is what's this one called a book of peril yeah a book of peril um so when so what if i go to play necromunda at the store my gang is in the cabinet i've got dice so i i've got a little like small tupperware tub where i've got my dice and any models that i've not finished painting i just throw in the dice tub and then once i've finished painting them they go in the cabinet in the store all the terrain is at the store so you'd think that i don't have to carry anything i have to take uh, my rule book my house of chains book my um book of ruin and my gangs of the underhive book so i've got to carry four hardback books with me just to play yours. Just squad. to play one game of Necromunda because mm. in the post battle, and it's not even playing the actual game, it's in the post battle sequence. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, I'm hopeful. Right. So there's I'm... a new book coming out, um, which should have it adds in like um, like more hive scum gangs and stuff, so you can have a gang of just randos who've come together and like outlaw stuff. And I believe that that should have all of the trading post stuff together. So I'm still going to go out and buy another book and I'm buying that book so that I can just take that book rather than two other books. So then mm. I only need to take my real book, my gang book, and then this trading post book instead of two other books. So That's crazy. And, so that's, I guess it's just traditional Games Workshop for you then, doing Games Workshop things. I mean, it's it's different. Like The way, the way it used to work, was uh, there was Necromunda and it had all of like I suppose this is a price you pay for diversity in the model range and in the rules. So they all like, all of the gangs now feel vastly different. Whereas in there were all of the gangs before were just reskinned and it was like the skill trees that you could take from were different. But like the core experience of playing Necromunda, it was irrelevant which gang you picked. Now that's not the case anymore. But as part of getting that, you lose out in other places. So that's crazy. Yeah, I still really like it. It's still good, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it, it hurts my back carrying all of those books. Well, and it hurts the wallet too. Like whenever that's the level of expectation that you're coming with, to try to even attempt to play this game. Like that's where uh, that's where traditionally, like that's where that barrier of entry to a game comes in. Like oh, I mean, it, it's it, very. I don't know. Maybe insidious. In that, um, like insidious, because you can you can get you can start playing really easily. It's only when you, it, it kind of builds. It's like you you buy a gang box and it gives you a list of ways to build your gangers, so you can use the named people, so they all have this equipment. And if everyone in your group just does that and plays games, you will have fun playing Necromunda, and it's fine. The second one of you deviates from that the arms race has started <laughs> and then you you're like so i'm probably got i've i mean i'm an idiot so i'll do a bunch of stuff but i oh, needed God, yeah. two i needed two goliath needed need need uh, one of the tactics cards for my slave ogren gang is that the slaves become masters so i can play that at the start of a game and i get to hire two goliath tubes um, take part in the battle and then they just go away so like, they're just kind of fodder you just push them in front of the bullets and it's all fine um but i needed two goliath tubes so i had to buy a box of goliaths and i was like well i've got goliaths now so i might as well do a goliath gang next might so, as well see how that works yeah so i, I got 
a box of glyphs, but then out of the 10 models, I, I built two of them to be juved, so I've got eight left. But then I probably need a second box to do different weapon options. So that'll be 18 models. Then I want the um, the prospects and champions box where you get the big stimmers and everything. So I'm like, that's the third box. And then we do a weapons pack and then Forge will do different head options. Yeah. And I don't know. Keep so going. I, models for me, I think, is a different story than than rules, though. Like, I don't, I don't know. And th- admittedly, I mean, this is coming from a person who's played D&D for the majority of his life, who has an entire library that you can see here of first and second and third and fourth and Pathfinder books that are multiple books that have different rules and options. I, I get that. But this is the old. This is how these companies specifically made their money off of print media. I get that. I understand that that is the business model for those companies back in the 70s and 80s and 90s going into the 2000s. I understand that that was the the, the business model. That's not 2022 go, that we're getting ready to go into. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, On the you... flip side of that, though, so the way I will pitch this to you now, and obviously you don't have the attraction to Neckmunder that I do because you play oh, football, yeah. not Neckmunder. So I mean, we can. Because I was just, I was just looking at Blood Bowl second season, going. Yeah, we can frame it for Blood Bowl as well, because that has a similar kind of thing, not to the same extent, but like, if I do my my Goliath gang, like, fair enough. uh, I'll have spent. I don't. We'll keep it in US, so we'll go high Goliath. So Goliath gang's forty two books. I've got two of those. Stimmer box is another forty two. So. That's 126 plus a, a weapons upgrade pack, and then I'm done. That's like literally everything I could ever need. So, how do Games Workshop make more money off me? Yeah, like it's it, well, it, like, is it games as a service? Is that effectively what it's become? Like, is this just a, another way of having that World of Warcraft subscription? Because when World of Warcraft came, one of the things that I found it wasn't in World of Warcraft, it was Ultima Online because my friend was that. really, really big into Ultima Online. Um, and I was like, yeah, but when I bought, like, so how much did it cost for a game? So oh, it's like £30 to go and get a game. So I pay £30, and then after a month, I can't play it anymore unless I give them another $10. Yep. <laughs> right, okay, and then I've got to give them $10 a month after. But I've, I've paid for the game, yeah? Yeah, I, So what I, I don't understand. And I, I couldn't, like, Teenage Chris was like, no, no, man, I feel like I would rather go and buy a game and then just play it and then yeah. be done, you know? And I, 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 I understand like what the costs entail and why that works that way and all of that now. But I feel like this is a step in that direction where it's relatively cheap in comparison to play Necromunda. Like one of you is going to spend an absolute shit ton of money in your group getting the terrain. It's fucking unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Like you can just play on the tiles and not have any of the 3D terrain, but you're not going to. One of you is going to sink a thousand bucks into terrain sucks to be that person but you know every group's got one yep but for the the poorer member of the group it's not like you could get one like that is me living the dream getting two goliath gang boxes a stimmer box and an upgrade pack that's above and beyond what you actually need because you'd struggle to get you would struggle to field 10 models in a starting goliath gang so you could be 42 bucks in and done so yeah i I just I thought it was a good direction, and my hope is that they continue on in that general. I get what you're saying, and 
So you're correct. Like if I were a 40k player and I only ever played one arm and I had, a, a, aside from the fact that they keep coming out with cooler models every single time that would still, that's the reason why you get all of these individual Space Marine model releases. It's still to get that extra little hit from those folks to be able to say, all right, you you really want to do this because... You know, don't spend another $25, $30 here to go and get this model or that model. Or, hey, the new Necron releases. You want to go out and buy the Indominus box set because all the cool new models are in that box set. So you've got to go and get those, which I did. And then I can't even tell you the number of copies of stuff I got because I've got 12 Scorpec Destroyers. I've got, you know, like I absolutely went out and got multiples of the stuff that came in the Indominus box set because, but... It, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the rules section of that. Like I can wrap my head around. I need to go out and buy the new latest cool models because they're new cool models. I, I'm struggling in 2022 getting ready to go into 2022 of I need to go out and buy the new latest rules, especially for the fact of the amount of content that you get out of this. It'd be very, very different if the Warzone Octarius rules for the Tyranids was 22 pages. I could yeah. almost justify the cost, but it's three pages out of a, 110 page book it is three pages i am paying 50 dollars us for three pages of rule now can you find on the black seas under cover of night flying skull and crossbones ways of getting those rules if you're not going to go to an official event sure absolutely but the minute you decide to step on to any level of competition in any way shape or form they are going to expect you to have the rules to your army including all books necessary to play that army. which means it's a yeah that's it that's my rant yeah i, don't, I, I, mean, I wanted to i wanted to applaud them I, I i think that they're going in the right direction I, i'm i love the idea of just quarterly updates to a game just like you would like you know your latest video game hey there's a new version of the the game, there's a new update, new patch. Go download and update. This is their version of patching the game. I love that. As opposed to static rules, static codices, and then every once in a while they adjust points and, well, it broke it, but eh, we'll get back to that next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really, like, as you say, um, it's not a cheap hobby. It's not. But <laughs> it's not an expensive hobby in comparison to some hobbies. Yes. Hobbies, hobbies will be as cheap or as expensive as you make them like if you want a cheap hobby you could just guard right go outside dig a hole with your hands take some you know what i mean like find some wild plants and you know there's you could garden practically for free or you can go to a garden center spend thousands and thousands of dollars every every summer and uh, people will take what they want from a hobby yeah all right and as long all, as you are making your choices with your eyes. It's like, I had a conversation before it was released about the tie Whisper. Ooh. So we'll bring it back to X-Wing, you know. There we'll, you go. We'll, that, that's we'll how you close it out. Yeah. Um, so the FL, the tie FL bomber and the tie Whisper comes one Whisper and two bombers in the pack. And we're talking about, um, basically, he was saying that he'd heard on the grapevine through different, people in like the i think it was why the xtc was going on um so i um basically it heard leaks of what the points were going to be for tie whisper i was like well do you not think that's like a really bad thing it's like my point was it if kylo is the only good tie whisper then it sucks from a holistic standpoint but if the generic whisper without the config is really good and you can take six of them that is just ridiculous 
because you can then you can only get this ship by buying a pack of two bombers in this ship. Yes. So you're you're now at a point. It's not even that. If I need six, I can only ever field eight bombers because that's the squad limit in X-wing. You can't Mm -hmm. go above eight ships. So even if points allow you to run eight naked bombers, which they wouldn't, I would still have more than that. Mm -hmm. So surely anything more than at a push four whispers should not be a viable squad. Because like, uh, is it unethical for? five whispers to be a viable squad when you cannot use the bombers that then come with it so, I'm like, obviously this this is a kind of a straw man argument because obviously it came out that they were just wrong with the points that they thought it was going to be right. so it was irrelevant but none of this none this timeline didn't happen but i don't know is it unethical to make you buy like to make you pay the tax of having to pay for the squad box where you get stuff you now cannot physically use so you can build the squad you want. But you can go one step further. Is it unethical to make you buy a 100-point epic ship when you have no interest whatsoever in ever playing the epic game to get one card, Emperor Palpatine at the time, added to your to your list? You paid I agree. You paid $100 for that one card. And don't get me wrong, it looks cool on a shelf. It really does. But there are two ships back there that I paid $100 each, the CR-90 and the, the Imperial Raider, for two cards. 3PO, which they ended up giving out. I remember, oh God, do you remember the, the shit that they got for whenever they gave, uh, they put 3PO in as a, a store kit one time? Oh yeah. God, that was a great idea, first of all, for all the people that didn't want to spend $100 on the card. But my point being is I absolutely, how many times have you ever bought We'll go back to first edition or second edition. You bought a ship for the upgrade cards. Yeah. I absolutely have done that. I've bought multiple, I bought multiple ships because right, the worst don't... ones were stuff, but not even like auto thrusters only being the star I've packed stuff like that. It was like the first time you see a specific cannon and you can only get it in one box. The second you want to run that cannon on a couple of ships, and what yep. you do? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe back then. Maybe it was a, an easier pill to swallow. Whenever those ships were fifteen bucks a piece, so spending sixty dollars wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know. I mean, that I also don't like that argument. I don't like the inflation argument. Yeah, because it ignores a bunch of stuff. Like, uh, are ships actually that much more expensive? compared to how the costs have changed no, compared no. to you know what i mean no like, i was i was i, I wasn't no, I, I understand no i understand what you're saying but like the problem the problem with that and this gets us into a political tangent that we're probably not going to go on <laughs> but like is that actually a problem with the cost of ships now or is that the fact that wages have stagnated whilst everything else has got more expensive because i can tell you how much it costs me to get a block of butter when i go to a supermarket now compared to when i moved here and that's that doubled in price i can say what the price of gas was when i started driving compared to what it is now but, but, <laughs> i mean just yeah. what i'm doing i'm going on the same timeline of where the x-wing ship is now six dollars more expensive so maybe what a 35 percent increase mm-hmm. um but like butter is a hundred percent increase yeah. For me to get a block of butter compared to when I moved to Canada. No, I think the comparison I was trying to drive in was the buying four ships to get four upgrade cards for four ships that you would never intend to fly. You're just buying it for the the, the upgrade cards. Feels a little bit different than spending $50 on a book for three pages. Yeah. 
But like at minimum, at bare minimum, if I wanted to, I could field those four ships that I had no intentions of ever flying. I just bought a at bare minimum. I got a cool little plastic model that looks cool in my shelf or cool in my box. I got a whole bunch of other upgrade cards that maybe I need them later. I got a whole bunch of other material that that is viable for I'd, me. I mean, for, my counter to that would be. At a bare minimum, you could sit down and you could read that fourth and enjoy that story. And you could look at the artwork in that book and enjoy, like, you could sit on the, on the shitter and just fucking, uh, just dream over I've the artwork of it. And I'm one of the few people that actually read the rule book yeah, fluff what I, in the 40k yeah, rule book. But that's what I, I used to do the same. I used to read cover to cover all of the little pamphlets and little bits and pieces of it um but it uh, that's part of what you're paying for that you can if you're one of the people who only uses those three pages that's your choice yeah the rest I'm, of the book still exists and yeah, i i'm not yeah. the argument that 50 dollars for a book is expensive is a different conversation <laughs> but you can't from from me anyway i find it a um a bit of a a disingenuous argument to say but i'm paying this money for these three pages you're paying the money for the entire product it's like using three pages yeah what would be like when was the last time you used the broiling function on your oven compared to it as an oven the other day i'll admit no but you know what I mean. but yeah but beyond but that like, i couldn't tell you the but, last yeah but, but like you don't buy an oven and go oh man i'm gonna get good use out of this broiling function as well Like, no i mean okay do you use the bread warmer at the bottom of your oven to warm bread or do you use it to store the um the oven yep. trays totally do that's exactly yeah, where they're going right so how much money are you getting out of, how much value are you getting out of a bread warmer and is that the oven company's fault well i mean if we want to continue how much use am i still continuing to get out of this library of yeah. books that i paid cash for and i made like specifically like uh, yeah, in fact, no, right, that's, yeah, you know it's like that you're wearing a smart watch i see i am yeah comparatively to using it to tell the time and how many steps you've done how often do you use like the video call function on the watch? Do you, you, you know, do you uh, use I, that to its fullest potential? Because I know that I love buying technology and then not using it for anything other than being a paperweight. So, admittedly, the only the other the thing that I use it for the most, aside from telling time, is usually the notification. So, like, if I get a text or I get something, I, I can pull my yeah. hand up on that one. I'm even more of an asshole in the fact that, well, all right, this was a gift from my wife. So when she went to buy it, she always goes, she doesn't take me for these because these are surprise gifts. So she, she bought the LTE version, which means I can Dick Tracy with this, with this watch. I can leave my cell phone behind and take phone calls off this. I have taken four phone calls off of my Apple watch. I have had one for four years. Yep. Four, one phone call a year. I'm paying monthly on my phone bill to have that ability to do that. It is its own cell phone number and everything. Like I'm paying monthly to do that. And you're right. I agree. You're all right. All right. You've sold me. I get it. Damn you for attacking me with logic. And and it's argument. not supposed to be an attack. It's just one no, of those. It's, it's a perceived, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a perception. When, I, when I, 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 people are happy to frame it as like um i mean i've fucking done this as well like i bought 
I bought a Star Vi- an extra Star Viper to have an Auto Thrusters, or I'll have bought um, a, a weapons pack for a single gun. Oh, I've, I bought, I fucking went and bought a Goliath gang so I could have two models. Gabriel, Gabriel's getting ready to buy a Chaos Champion just because he wants the sassy uh, Nurgling that comes with it. He does no interest whatsoever in the model. He just wants that yeah. one little bit so they can put it on his Plague Burst Crawler. Yeah. It's uh, cool. And that's funny. It's like, like, is that Games Workshop's fault that you are underutilizing their product? No, I see. Because we, like, the argument is never the inherent value of the product because people have already moved past that argument because they understand that you know, it costs what it costs kind of thing. Yeah. But then to start breaking it down and place your own limitations on it, I just feel like it's a disingenuous argument. I agree. Uh, I, you, you've turned me around, as you often tend to do. <laughs> All right, uh-huh. so this one turned out to be a long one. I was trying to... Uh, an an hour and 48 minutes we've been here. No, yeah, so we haven't hit two hours yet. We're yeah. good. Oh, and like, well, there's a lot of silence to get truncated. We'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be good. All right, so that's going to do it for this one. Episode 90, we're 10. 10 episodes away. I saw Chad in person on Tuesday and said that I don't care what day we recorded on or how we recorded on, he has to, has to, has to be here for episode 100. Uh, all you have to do is challenge him to a game of X-Wing after episode 99. So that he can come And in. then either way, is either going to want to be there because he crushed you, or you're going to make it a really uncomfortable show for him. <laughs> That sounds like a perfect solution. All right, Chris, you've got some paperwork you want to do before the end of the show. By all means, please do. Yeah, um, I just wanted to thank all the patrons again. It's getting towards that time of year where I need to go through and find out what swag I can send out to people. Um, But it's been great having all the support, so thank you everyone for that. You can find us to support us on Patreon, either Lack of Focus podcast at patreon and that one is a per episode we recommend that if you've got like a dollar an episode that's more than enough we don't like you can give more if you can afford it but we never ask people to stretch themselves especially at this time of year um, if you feel like you need to cancel whatever just don't feel guilty you know what was the, the thing we use if you if it's a choice between a cup of coffee or uh giving to a patron would rather you had the coffee <laughs> yes. um, like but it's it does help a lot um i did actually find out i got an email from adobe the last week i think it was uh, then actually converting to a, a canadian um pricing structure so Ooh. i actually know how much it's going to cost every month now rather than it just being looking for draw for what the exchange rate is <laughs> so i think we're like five dollars short from the editing suite actually being covered yay so I, I that means Ed, that it only costs me about fifty dollars a month to like do everything because all the hosting stuff and everything else adds up but I, oh yeah of course I, we, we only lose fifty dollars a month now it's awesome you know right, it, it, used, it used to be a lot more um you can also support us through the dice patreon which is just a static monthly if you just want to give a fixed amount every month um that's just dice on patreon you can find the vods if you want to look at mine and ed's um charming backgrounds and ugly faces um (laughs) you can find us on dice on youtube and yeah you can follow me on instagram Dissect Chris. I post all of my pictures of what I've been painting. You can find the podcast on Facebook. 
at uh, Lack of Focus Podcast on Facebook.com. Yeah, that's that. I don't know, man. Anything else you want to plug? No, that's no. it. I know that the holidays are going to be coming up this year, so I'm going to wish everyone a happy upcoming holiday whenever you do get the opportunity to listen to this. Beyond that, I'm I'm looking forward to Turkey next week. Oh, can't wait. Yep. Thanksgiving I, I made, next week. That's right. I, I made I made the joke to my youngest son the other day, like, you know, if somehow, some way I was ever convicted of a capital crime and I was on my way to death row and they gave me a last meal and I had a meal to pick before my last meal, Thanksgiving dinner would absolutely be it. Um, it's going to be murder on the waistline, but that, that right back onto the bike the next day, that'll work. So in any case... That's going to do it for this one. I do appreciate everyone tuning in. And as always, guys, like I. Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.